0: Welcome to episode four of the session series from the Georgia Chamber Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Kayla Robertson and Katie Duvall. We are officially wrapping up week four of the legislative session today. Those days were January 29th through February 1st. The General Assembly gathered Monday through Thursday this week, completing 14 of 40 total legislative days. Before we get started today, we did want to take just a moment to recognize the tragic loss of several Georgians this week. On Sunday, Georgia State Trooper Jimmy Sinisar was killed in a traffic stop when his car left the highway and hit an embankment. Also on Sunday, three Georgia soldiers, SPC Kennedy Sanders, Sergeant William Rivers, and SPC Breonna Moffitt, were killed in a drone attack in Jordan. Then Tuesday, we heard the tragic news that Representative Richard Smith, who was a dear friend and colleague to so many here at the Capitol, passed away from complications with the flu.
1: You're right, Kayla. It's been a sad week here around the Capitol, um, especially with the passing of Richard Smith. We were in a, a Ways and Means Subcommittee meeting earlier this week, and I think everyone kind of got the announcement at the same time. The members got up and went outside to take a moment. So it's really heartbreaking, especially here in the middle of session. His his loss definitely leaves a hole here around the Capitol. Each one of these Georgians truly exemplified what it means to serve with dedication, and they undoubtedly left a lasting impact on on our state. We just ask that everyone please remember their families and loved ones and, their, and your thoughts and prayers in the coming weeks. You're right,
0: Katie, and I know Speaker Burns made several comments on Tuesday talking about how Chairman Smith would have just wanted everyone to keep on doing the good work that they're doing for their communities and for our state, and Despite the heaviness that I know so many people around the Capitol feel this week, that's exactly what everyone's done. So we have seen several bills of interest drop this week that I'll let Katie explain in detail. We also have some updates from our GAC meetings on bills that we talked about last week. So Katie, what action have we seen taking place under the Gold Dome this week?
1: We have had quite a busy week. I know last week we said it was really picking up. This week has just been full speed ahead. Our Government Affairs Council met on Wednesday and assigned a support position to several different bills, so I'm going to go through a few of those. On the tax front, which I'll start with, as you know, tax is my uh, favorite committee, we took support positions on four pieces of legislation this week, and three of those were from the Speaker's Tax Relief Package that we discussed last week. The first of those was House Bill 1015 by Lauren McDonald, and that, as I mentioned last week, accelerates the reduction of the state income tax by 10 basis points to 5.39%, which is effective for the 2024 tax year. Measures such as 1015 put money back in the pockets of hardworking Georgians and help to provide much-needed economic relief for our citizens. And that bill has been moving really quickly, came out of House Ways and Means Subcommittee earlier this week, and is actually in House Ways and Means Full Committee right now. And the next piece of the Speaker's tax package was House Bill 1019 by Matt Reeves. And this doubles the homestead exemption from $2,000 to $4,000 statewide. And that is the first increase since 1978. So wow! with inflation and everything, it's, it's definitely about time that that happens and This bill um, aligns with the Georgia Chamber priority of providing affordable pathways to home ownership, which is, as we know, definitely a challenge across the state and is a proven method for growing wealth and elevating families into greater economic mobility. The last bill out of that speaker's tax package was House Bill 1021 by Lauren Daniel, and as I talked about last week, this increases the child tax deduction from $3,000 to $4,000 per child. A strong workforce depends on access to child care for employees so that they can contribute fully and effectively while their children are in a safe environment, encouraging them to learn. So measures such as this bill provide Georgia's families with additional financial resources to access child care and the ability to remain in the workforce, so definitely something On a number of different points that hits chamber priorities. Mm -hmm. Outside of that speaker's tax package, we also took a support position on House Bill 808 by Mike Chokas of Americus. And this bill gradually raises the exemption threshold of tangible personal property tax, which is inventory, that sort of thing, year by year up until $50,000 until its complete elimination in 2028. This is significant because current law has the exemption threshold at only seventy five hundred dollars. Again, this has been in place since about the seven, sometime around the seventies. Anything above seventy five hundred dollars has to be taxed. So, with this bill, it would eventually eliminate that entire tax and remove burdensome paperwork for both businesses and the communities that handle those those taxes.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk about tax going on around the Capitol this week. And as always, we just want to thank our state leadership for their dedication to providing this much-needed tax relief to Georgia families. One of our priorities this session was, of course, to work on streamlining occupational licensing procedures. And our GAC committee did take a support position on our first occupational licensing bill of this session. So, Katie, what did this bill do?
1: You're right, Kayla. I know last week we mentioned that House Bill 880 went through our GAC Business and Industry Committee, but this week the full GAC Executive Committee ratified our support position on that bill. As a reminder, House Bill 880 was introduced by Bethany Ballard of Warner Robbins, and it would allow for military spouses who have an existing occupational license and good standing from another state to use that license here in Georgia. Workforce development continues to be an issue, and this will allow for those workers moving in from other states to be able to work right away. We also had House Bill 501, which was also assigned a support position, and again, you may remember me talking about this one last week as well. Introduced by Representative Deborah Silcox out of Sandy Springs, it allows for individuals 14 years of age to receive work permits. Again, these types of jobs would be your lawn maintenance, fast food, summer jobs that give our young people the opportunity to, to develop those soft skills that you gain from, from the workforce and be able to take these skills as they enter the real workforce later on. Mm-hmm. Another bill we took up this week in the Environment and Energy Committee is the Utility Workers Protection Act, sponsored by Representative Rob Loverett of Elberton. He had a bill last year that was kind of the precursor to this bill that enhanced penalties for those who cause damage to critical infrastructure. And this bill, House Bill 1033, seeks to enhance criminal penalties for assault and battery against utility workers, those workers that help to provide that critical infrastructure. It also follows suit to a similar bill that we passed last year, enhancing penalties for assault and battery against healthcare workers. So as I said, it, it, it increases those penalties and, and the utility workers are defined as those providing gas, heat, electricity, water, telecom, sewer, cable or video services, internet services, even railroad services. These workers are often you know having to work on people's property to make sure that gas lines are working or that power lines are up and they're often working late at night or early in the morning and we just want to make sure that that those workers are protected when they are acting under the course and scope of their employment. This bill seeks to enhance those penalties mm. and, and make sure that if they do commit any sort of assault or battery against those workers that they are protected. Mm.
0: It's honestly a little bit incredible to me that we even have to, you know, think about those things. But when you listen to some of the stories that you hear from our healthcare care workers and our utility workers, stuff that they experience is just unacceptable. So I'm glad that we have those protections
1: in place for them now. Exactly. Whereas the Georgia Chamber is always prioritizing public safety and legislation that ensures the, the security of our critical infrastructure. We want to make sure that our workforce is, A, there, and B, protected when they're they're just doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Our GAC Law and Judiciary Committee also met this week and assigned some support positions to a few bills, and I think our business community will be particularly excited to hear about one of those. So, Katie, what did we hear out of that committee this week?
1: You're right. There were quite a few bills that we took up on the Law and Judy front this week, but I would say the most significant one, especially in terms of, of chamber priorities that we've been discussing for Over a year now is Senate Bill 426 by Senator Blake Tillery. Um, It is a tort reform bill. So So we we thought at the beginning of session we may not be hearing the words tort reform, but we we are seeing legislation being dropped in that front. So sponsored by Blake Tillery, as I mentioned, Senate Bill 426 makes several prudent changes to Georgia's direct action statutes. It clarifies the circumstances under which the insurer of a motor carrier may be brought into a lawsuit, and it brings the state closer to a majority of states where direct action against insurers is a rare practice. Senate Bill 426 will alleviate the current overuse of direct action, thus making Georgia a more hospitable business environment for independent trucking companies and their insurers. The chamber, of course, supports efforts to protect the state's transportation network and infrastructure, bolstering economic growth and greater quality of life for all Georgians and As we've discussed many times, both on the podcast and at various chamber events, we want to be an environment where businesses can grow and thrive, and and this, this legislation would certainly help that. The bill is currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee, so we look forward to seeing it move throughout the process. Before we go into this next bill, I think it would be really good to
0: just go over the procedural aspect of what our Government Affairs Council does just one more time and kind of explain the difference between what a support position is versus what a scorecard bill looks like.
1: Of course. Hopefully most of y'all listening to this podcast know this by now, but the Georgia Chamber takes legislative positions through our Government Affairs Council It's member-driven. It's not a staff decision, and the Government Affairs Council is made up of about 400 government affairs professionals that represent companies throughout our state with the overarching goal of achieving all of the policy objectives of the Georgia Chamber. The positions taken by the GAC are communicated to our members of the General Assembly through written correspondence during an ongoing basis during session. So, for example, all these support positions that we've taken up this week, the staff assigned to those areas will write support letters and make sure that As the bills move throughout the legislative process through committees and then onto the House or Senate floor, hopefully when they cross the chambers to the other chamber, there is a letter that goes along with that bill expressing our support for the legislation. Scorecard bills, on the other hand, are issues that are of utmost importance to the business community. And again, the Georgia Chamber staff will communicate a bill scorecard status to legislators. Again, the scorecard status is also determined by the GAC committee, not just uh, staff here. And while the Georgia Chamber takes support and opposed positions on so many different pieces of legislation, the scorecard designation is reserved for those bills that are just the most vital to the business community. And it not only explains the details of each major legislative initiative that the organization tracks, but it also shows how each legislator voted on these issues. So the bills that we take as scorecard issues will be compiled at the end of the legislative year. You can go onto our website, gachamberscore.com, and see how your legislator voted on these scorecard Mm -hmm. bills. But it's just a really great way for our business community to be able to see which legislators are the most business-friendly when they go to make their financial contributions during an election year, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It's just a helpful tool for our members.
0: That being said, we did designate one bill this week as a scorecard bill.
1: What did that bill pertain to? So House Bill 982 was designated as a scorecard bill, like you mentioned, and it was sponsored by Governor Kemp's floor leader, Matt Gamble, and it seeks to require the State Workforce Development Board to develop, approve, and annually publish a high-demand career list, identifying those careers most critical to the state's current and future workforce needs. By designating Georgia's Workforce Development Board to produce the state's high-demand career list, Governor Kemp, Matt Gamble, and others ensure that the process by which this list is created is both transparent and nimble enough to address the needs of a changing business landscape. This bill works to make certain that Georgia's students, both traditional and non-traditional, have a direct pipeline and access to the career opportunities of today, while also building programs and curriculum for the jobs of tomorrow.
0: Okay, I believe that's it for our legislative updates today, but we do have one political update to provide for you guys today. So yesterday, the Chamber officially announced our endorsement of Renee Bell in the State Senate District 30 special election. Similar to how we determine our position on legislation, our Political Affairs Council does the same thing to candidates that the chamber officially endorses. So they vetted Renee and her policy positions and determined that her record proves to be pro-business and pro-economic development. Katie, what do we know about Renee?
1: Yes, as we've discussed, Renee Bell is running for Mike Dugan's Senate seat. He left the Senate to pursue a seat in Congress. And Renee is a realtor and serves as chairwoman of the Greater Harrelson Chamber of Commerce. So... She's already got those chamber ties. So we we encourage you to do some research on Renee. And if you live in her district, that election will be taking place on Tuesday, February the 13th. So make sure you get out and vote. Absolutely. And of
0: course, you can always check your voter registration status at sos.ga.gov. And if you want to learn more about Renee and the chamber's endorsement of her candidacy, you can visit gachamber.com backslash news. Thanks, Katie. Thanks.